We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Chicago Bears select... Welcome to Picks for Polls, presented by The Bear Report. Your number one source for everything Chicago Bears draft news, analysis, scouting reports, and more. Presented by Blue Wire Pods. And now, making their way to the podium, Andrew Freeman and Usaid Koshal. Welcome to Picks for Polls, a Chicago Bears draft podcast presented by the Bear Report and Blue Wire Pods. I, of course, am Andrew Freeman, and I'm joined by my co-host, Yusei Kosherland. Yusei, it is here. Training camp has started for the Bears. All the players have reported to camp. Um, we have practices starting up this week. Actually, you know, since we're recording this episode on, on a Tuesday here, uh, the first official practice for training camp starts tomorrow, uh, which the media will have access to. So it's football's back, man. It's really exciting. It, it's really the most, I guess, exciting time of the year as we kind of ramp things up towards the start of the regular season. And um, finally, finally we're here. It's it's really exciting. A lot to kind of, um, a lot to look forward to, I think, here with the start of camp. But before we get into uh, what we're we talking about today with training camp right around the corner, how are you doing today, man? I am doing well. You're right. Football is officially here. We've got the Hall of Fame game next Thursday, I believe, some point in August. And so it's literally here. You know, we had the Bears reporting to camp today, Tuesday the 25th. Quarterbacks as well as rookies reported on Saturday the 22nd or the 23rd, whichever day that was. But, you know, I'm excited because it just means another year of nonstop Bears content as well as when the college season rolls around. We'll have tons of NFL content, NFL draft content for you guys as well. And, you know, every single year that we like to get started or every year that we do get started, I just want, you know, we like to go ahead and give a major shout out to all the listeners, all the people who have kind of supported us here at the Bear Report, as well as this podcast. I mean, I think this is our third or fourth season going into this where we're going to be doing this. And I think every year gets more fun. So fingers crossed, hoping for good results from the Bears this year. But glad to be doing this for another year with you. Yeah, it's 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 a lot of fun here. And like you said, like we couldn't do it without all of our fans and listeners and everyone who kind of contributes to what we 
love to do here is kind of uh, as your host here on this podcast and as writers on the Bear Report, um, looking forward to getting into some of the practices this year. I know both you said and I are going to be at some of the practices as uh, media members for a couple of days throughout training camp. I'm, I'm going to be there this week on Thursday. I think you said you're going to be there on Friday. Um, if that's if that's correct, you said. Yeah, so a couple Fridays here and then hoping to get to uh, Family Fest as well. I would love to get to more practices, but my own high school season's starting in yeah. August. So right we're in like the middle of Bears camp too. So I can't be in two places at once. But yeah, we'll be at a couple practices. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's it's really exciting. I'm looking forward to going on Thursday. Um, and I think that's the first day that fans will be allowed as well. So I, I'm sure that's going to be a really wild experience. I'm looking forward to having a... Uh, Having all the Bears fans back there, it's always fun being at training camp um, and uh, just seeing seeing practice and seeing where they're at this year. There's definitely going to be a lot of new faces, a lot of a lot of new things that we're going to be looking forward to here. Before we get to, uh, we have a couple things going on in this episode today. Uh, first of all, you said uh, had an interview with uh, Luke Braun, who uh, is part of the Lockdown Vikings podcast, to give us a little bit of insight on the Vikings heading to this year, which uh, we'll be getting to in just a little bit here. But before we get to that interview, uh, first of all, we have to talk about a couple of the storylines going on heading into training camp. And the first major one, um, and probably the most, I guess the one that got Bears fans most riled up was uh, the whole Chase Claypool um, saga, I guess if you want to call it that. It was really just like a one-day thing. But basically what, what happened was Chase Claypool came into training camp. I, I, I believe he reported earlier than a lot of the veterans um, because uh, they were checking out like whatever medical issue that he was dealing with this off season. Um, he was getting that checked out by the training staff, I guess. And the bears put him on the pup list for the first day that he was, he was here. So that got everyone on bears Twitter all riled up about like, Oh, there goes Chase Claypool already hurt already going to be missing time. And then literally the next day he's off the pup list. He's confirmed that he's good to go. So, I mean, yeah, it, I, I kind of tweeted out. I'm like, Oh, this isn't, ideal but it's like it, it, at the end it turned out to be nothing you know and i kind of figured that would be the case because um you know chase claypool was already working out with justin fields before training camp even started so it's like he looked like he was fine so it was probably just a precautionary thing and i think ryan poles kind of confirmed that as such in his in his press conference which we'll get to in a little bit here uh but yeah on the Claypool thing, like it's it's good to see him uh, healthy and ready to go for the start of camp because I mean this is obviously going to be a huge a huge year for him. So um, it's it's good thing that he's back healthy and, and ready to go. You're right. It was a saga that lasted less than 24 hours in terms of him being on the pup list and then coming off the pup list Monday afternoon. It still though, however, raises red flags for me in terms of the way that this entire process was handled. Because if you look back at mid-June, the end of mandatory minicamp, as well as OTAs, Chase pretty much missed all that. Matt Eberflus came out and said, well, he'll be good to go for training camp. And then Sunday afternoon around 3.34 o'clock, what do the Bears do? They tweet out that Chase Claypool is going on the pup list. Now, for me, the issue here is I understand it was a short-lived stint, but also at the end of the day, if we're going to be fully honest about something, the franchise has developed this reputation for just 
downplaying injuries consistently. And it's not just this regime. It was the Ryan Pace, Matt Nagy regime too. Remember last year when Tevin Jenkins pretty much opened up training camp with a back and a neck injury. And then he was the subject of trade rumors. And all of a sudden, you know, he had to speak to the media when he eventually returned. And instead of just coming out and saying, Hey, he's out for two weeks. What did Matt Eberflus do every time he spoke to the media? It was almost every other day last year is the fact that it just came down to, well, he's day to day. He's figuring it out. He's working through it with our training staff. And that to me was just a lot of coach speak. I think when we look at the way Matt answered the questions about chase this season and these OTAs and these mandatory mini camps, a lot of just what it was is, Hey, I'm not going to come out and give you a straight answer. I'm going to go ahead and dance around the question to kind of give you an answer so we can move on to something that I really don't want to talk about because I don't have a good enough answer for you in the present moment. Yeah. I mean, again, it's, it, it sounds like it was a nothing issue with, when it comes to Claypool's status and yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens with it. Um, Again, like I said before, it's kind of like it's a big deal for him to be on the field. So when we first heard that he was on the pup list, I mean, a lot of red flags were going off. And um, like I said before, I'm just glad that he's back healthy. Like, I don't know what to expect from Claypool this year. Like, I feel like you can go either way with him. He could either have a really fantastic season or he could just completely flame out this year. I hope it's, you know, it's closer to the former and not the latter, but uh, we'll see what happens. But yeah, I mean, in terms of health, it sounds like the bears don't really have any other major medical issues going on. Like I guess like Dante Pettis had a non football injury or something like that, I believe. So you kind of got docked for that, you know, whether that's a big deal or not, I don't really think so because I'm not even sure if he's going to be a lock to make the roster. It's a big deal for Dante Pettis because he's fighting for a roster spot, obviously, but nothing really major for the Bears, so they go into training camp relatively healthy, like fully healthy for that, and you hope that stays <laughs> that way because, God God forbid, they have any uh, training camp injury. We do not need that happening uh, this year. But we can also touch on, I guess, before we get to our your sit-down with Luke Braun, um, I guess we could talk about a couple of Ryan Pohl's comments. You know, we talk about Matt and, and some of his comments on the whole the Chase Claypool issues. You know, I, I felt like Ryan Poles had a couple interesting things to say um, during his press conference. Not a ton. Obviously, he's not trying to – it's a little bit of GM speak, right? If Matt – if Iberfuss is having the coach speak, like Ryan Poles has the GM speak where he's not going to try and say too much. Um, you know, the, the subject of the Bears going after an edge rusher kind of came up during the press conference, and uh, Poles kind of mentioned that you know, it, it's he's like he said, you know, we like the guys that we have here. We want to see them develop. But he also made a comment that, like, you know, it takes a t- it's a two way street where you know they're interested in bringing somebody in, but you know, the guy's going to have to want to come in here at our price. Basically, is what it, what he kind of basically said. And you know, I, I kind of took that as like they're obviously looking to sign somebody. It's just a matter of whether they can get somebody in at the right value that they're comfortable with here. And a lot of bear fans have speculated about Justin Houston or Yannick and Gok. They're kind of the two top names right now. You know, what, what do you make of his comments there? Do you think that they're, do you think he's being active and looking for some edge help or I don't know. Do you think he's happy with what he's got here? I mean, I personally don't think so, but you know, what, what did you kind of make of those comments? 
I mean, for me, the comments were GM speak at its finest in terms of, hey, we are confident that our coaching staff is going to be able to help a guy like a Travis Gibson or a Dominique Robinson take another step forward. But also at the end of the day, when the opportunity, not if for the Bears at this point, but when the opportunity presents itself to upgrade that position, whether it is via free agency or trade, it could be in August, September, or October, we're going to go ahead and strike a deal when we feel like the value is right for us. Now, the key thing to keep in mind is that Polls also alluded to today how, and again, I'm just paraphrasing here, but he pretty much said that we want to figure out who the guys are that are going to be a part of the long-term core of this franchise that are going to help this team win over a consecutive number of years, which, again, the Bears have always kind of failed at putting together a long-term championship caliber core, at least in the 21st century here. But the point is just the fact that he kind of alluded to and made it clear how while adding a young edge rusher to this team, to this roster, would be great. There's no quick fix. And just because the quick fix is convenient, it doesn't mean that we're going to go that route because we don't want to alter our key football philosophy, which is quite frankly, going ahead and building through the NFL draft and really being smart about everything in free agency. So this whole edge rusher situation, yes, fans are antsy because the bears, they signed linebacker, Bobby Johnson, wide receiver, Isaiah Ford. They waived Sterling Weatherford and Ryan Anderson to kind of make moves for Ford and Johnson. But also at the end of the day, there is a sense of, patience that has to take place here and that needs to be had simply because we're going to be honest I mean there is not really any edge rusher out there besides a Yannick Ngakwe or a Justin Houston they would come in and put this defense over the top it's not like we're talking about a top tier edge rusher being available that's going to automatically make this defense go from what people hope is going to be a good unit to all of a sudden a great unit and then the final thing to keep in mind is this is that and I'm not getting too ahead of myself here but there's just no way we see a long-term edge rusher that's a big name around the NFL right now that automatically becomes available over the next couple weeks and why do I say that because this is you look at Joey Bosa, right? He's not reporting in San Francisco over a contract dispute. The reality of that is, quite frankly, very simple, is that the 49ers are going to figure things out with, I'm sorry, Nick Bosa, and he's going to be in a situation where he'll be there for the foreseeable future. But the reality is that even if a guy like Bosa does become available, there's no guarantee that this regime would even do something like pull the trigger on a guy like that simply because it sounds convenient. But also at the end of the day, this is a regime that's very much said, hey, we're going to stay true to our core and we're not going to cough up unnecessary assets unless we feel like it's going to be a deal that is one on our terms and two benefits us in the short term and the long term. Yeah, I mean, if they're going to trade for a guy like Chase Young would be the obvious um, option for uh, the Washington Commanders. But, again, I don't know what his asking price would be for the Commanders. Like, if it's like a, a you know, a second-round pick, I'm not sure Ryan Poles would be that, you know, interested in, in spending that, especially after the Claypool trade didn't really work out for him last year. So, yeah, I, as they as they say, uh, Khalil Mack, Khalil Mack ain't walking through that door, right? 
So you kind of just have to deal with what you deal with and, you know, you got what you got and kind of, you know, I guess go with the flow with it, I guess. But yeah, I mean, they got to get some contributions out of Travis Gibson, out of, you know, Dominique Robinson. I think Yannick Ngakwe and, um, and guys like Justin Houston, even Jadavion Clowney still out there. I think those guys are in play. The, the one thing with those veteran guys though, is that they're obviously going to prefer to go to the championship proven contenders first before, you know, with, for lack of a better word, settling with the bears, I guess, so to speak. I think that kind of goes with Ryan, what Ryan Poole said about it's a two-way street about, you know, guys want to want to be here too. You can't just, it's not like, you know, a Madden game where you can just, you know, choose who you want to, to go on your team and sign them um, in franchise mode or whatever. Like, you know, there's, there is a bit of a, hu- there's a human element and, you know, it's a two to tango sort of situation there. So yeah, we'll see what happens with the edge spot there. Again, it's a topic that we've touched on many times before, but yeah, with training camp here, you know, it's certainly it, it seems like, you know, we're losing some time here on bringing somebody in that can come in and, and really help the team right now. And, and that's what you're kind of looking forward to, to patch up some holes before we really get to the meat of the season and um, things sort of start to settle for this roster heading into week one. Uh, but with that said, I think that's a good time for us to kind of pause on the training camp discussion here, because uh, you say did sit down with uh, Luke Braun and have a bit of a discussion about the Vikings and um, some of the things going on there for uh, those guys up in Minnesota. So before we touch on any other training ca- ta- camp topics today, uh, we'll switch gears to that right now. And uh, we'll finish up some training camp stuff on the end of that. But, uh, before getting to that, enjoy you say's conversation with Luke Braun. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Joining us now on the Picks 4 Polls podcast, we are continuing our NFC North training camp preview series. So we've done the Packers and Lions already. Let's round it out by talking about the Purple People Eaters, a.k.a. the Minnesota Vikings. Today I am joined by Luke Braun, who is the host of Locked on Vikings. You can follow him on Twitter at Luke Braun NFL. How's it going, Luke? Thanks so much for hopping on the show. Hey, glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Let's get right into it because this is a team that was one of the NFL's pleasant surprises last year in terms of finishing 13 and four. They really ran over the rest of the NFC North in the sense that no one expected Mm -hmm. them to come out and pretty much shut out 
Aaron Rodgers and the Packers in week one, but it just kind of happened. It was year one of the Kevin O'Connell era. So recap last season for us. I mean, what went well? What's something that the Vikings still have to improve on? Were you surprised that they finished 13 and four, by the way? I mean, I certainly didn't predict it. I don't think many people did because as you know, they they were coming off this 500 energy coming off the Zimmer era. The culture was totally broken. Kevin O'Connell came in and, and fixed that first and foremost. And I think that's ultimately the utility of the season is that they really created a positive locker room culture. Players love being there. They loved playing with each other. Guys like Dalvin Cook and Eric Kendricks that ended up leaving over the offseason genuinely heartbroken to not be in Minnesota anymore. Um, but of course, you know, it's a business. It's how it goes. Uh, going 13 and four. I, I think most people understand that the Vikings were not the same 13 and four that like the bills were, or the 49ers were, you know, the truer contenders of the NFL, um, and understood that, you know, I think we understand that they were a little streakier than that, that they weren't quite as, uh, consistent. And that's really streakiness is really the story of that season. They were, um, you know, they would have the greatest quarter you've ever seen, and then they'd fall apart and blow that lead, or they would fall apart and get behind three scores and they would kind of come back from three score leads multiple times. Just incredible stuff. Um, but they also fell behind three scores a lot. Um, and I think the, the big two reasons for that are a, the run game really struggled. So when they did have a lead, it was that much harder to protect. You kind of still just had to press and pass and, eventually you're going to get behind the chains. It's really hard to sustain that kind of game with a lead and just sort of stalemate and to use a basketball analogy, like trade baskets to the end. Uh, it's really hard to do that when you don't have a run game. And then the defense was just an absolute disaster. Uh, they were one of the worst defenses in the league bar none. They, I mean, I, I could go on and on about why that happened, but they fired at Donatel. They got rid of a position coach. They switched out the staff to Brian Flores, which brings in as different a philosophy as you can imagine uh, from the sort of soft zone coverage of Ed Donatel. Now it's where it's going to like be aggressive blitz all the time and make your guys react to that and get the ball out quick. Um, and so that's kind of the hope of making the season work a little bit better and then just hope that they can build on on what they did. Uh, and, you know, if, if you don't believe that they were a 13 and 14, yeah, that's totally fair hopefully they can add a couple of wins onto whatever you did believe they were and find themselves back in the playoffs. See, I was writing about for our website. I mean, I was doing weekly NFC North recaps last year and the Vikings got to a point where every Sunday night when I was sitting there writing the column for Monday morning, I'm like, okay, you know what? This is a team that you want to say Super Bowl contender, Super Bowl contender, but you know, deep down in your heart that they are not necessarily that, but, they were one of the pleasant surprises, but you mentioned some key names like Adam Thielen, Eric Hendricks, Dalvin Cook, even they're no longer there. I mean, who's next up to go ahead and replace those guys? Cause this is a team that quite frankly, it was this off season where they really moved on from some key players and kind of said, Hey, goodbye to the Mike Zimmer era once and for all. Right. Right. And that's what you get when you get a new GM. I mean, you saw Ryan Poles do that in Chicago. He just did it kind of all right away. And the Vikings were trying to be a little smoother about that and trying to keep themselves uh, competitive in the meantime. So let's not just get rid of guys and replace them with, you know, six rounders. But uh, that's kind of where we're at now is they have some of the replacements they feel good about lined up. They feel good about Alexander Madison. He was slated to be a free agent. They brought him back to be the replacement for Dalvin Cook. Um, they... And and they knew that they were probably not keeping Cook 
kind of the whole off season. It just took a while to manifest. So they, they knew that they were bringing back Madison to be RB one. Um, they like him as a three down guy. I, I think he's fine. Uh, I think they're a little bit higher on him than is warranted, but it's also, I mean, it's the running back room. They can do it by committee. There's a lot of young guys that could step up. If Alexander Madison isn't good enough, they got a, a bunch of young guys that are interesting. As for Thielen, they selected Jordan Addison in the first round. Uh, they also, I wouldn't sleep on what KJ Osborne can contribute. It won't be, you know, offense defining or anything like that, but he, he has his role and he's good at his role. Uh, but Jordan Addison is kind of meant to be the guy. One of the big problems offensively the Vikings had when they were passing the ball was that you could kind of put a safety over the top of Justin Jefferson and that'll shut down any receiver. I mean, that's how, that's how teams handled Randy Moss and Jerry Rice. Um, and if you did that, the thing is you got to have something else because that'll take away a wide receiver, no matter how good that guy is. So you have to have something else. And the Vikings, something else was like their tight end. TJ Hawkinson's great, but he's a tight end. And so having a tight end as your wide receiver too, was a problem. Jordan Addison is here to fix that. Um, so that's where, and, and Adam Thielen had some struggles with physicality uh, and getting through more physical, bigger corners. And so that like, hopefully, I mean, they drafted Addison who's really small, so we might still have that problem, but at least we have that problem, but not slowing down in his thirties. <laughs> and that's the end cheaper, of course, uh, at least in terms of cap. And then for Eric Kendricks, they're probably most excited about this guy, Brian Asamoah. He was a third rounder last year. You might not know about him at all. He played a little bit of spot duty last year, but they cannot stop raving about this guy. He's one of these fast sideline to sideline kind of linebackers. Um, and he's smaller. So if you get your, if you're a guard, you get your big paws on him, you got him, but he's very evasive. You know, he'll, he'll cut under you and he'll cut around you and he'll be faster than you and he'll ruin your angles. And they're really, really excited about what they get with Brian Asamoah and how he has learned this, the speed of NFL defense and, and how much he's kind of getting a little more used to it, even though he's got to learn a new scheme from the one he learned last year. Cause they fired everybody. Uh, they're, they're very, very stoked on him as the Eric Hendricks replacement. And I don't think that they cut Eric Hendricks if they don't have like a lot of confidence. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned Asamoa as a budding name to watch at middle linebacker. And really, I think just this entire division in general, one of the things that the all four teams have kind of done over the last basically two to three seasons is add those young linebackers. You know, you have the Packers who have Quay Walker, the Lions added Jack Campbell, um, and then the Bears have Tremaine Edmonds as well. But, yeah, you know, you hit on, I think, a really interesting point here because – Brian Flores is a guy who, again, got kind of shortlisted in Miami. He was out of there even though the team was improving. Spends a year with the Steelers. I know you alluded to it already. I mean, I had a front row seat to watching Ed Donatel because he was here in Chicago under Vic Fangio for five to six seasons. But what is Brian Flores going to bring to this team? Because that, to me, when I saw the news break, I was like, okay, that is the – biggest move of the offseason for the Vikings because all these young first second third year offensive minded head coaches love to have that veteran defensive coordinator and defensive mind in the room as insurance policy exactly and for Flores I think the biggest thing is mentality I know that's like a wishy-washy thing that's kind of hard to quantify but if you look at the way they played under Donatel, they were soft in a lot of respects. They were soft up front. They just got pushed around a little bit too much, especially if they didn't have Harrison Phillips or Dalvin Tomlinson. 
Um, they lost Alvin Tomlinson, by the way. I think that's when they've done a poor job of replacing. There was a softness problem, but there was also schematic softness. That defense, that Fangio-style defense that worked so well in Chicago, um, it only really works if you have guys that can aggressively come downhill and be physical with it, but the Vikings played a little scared. Their their safety would be too would, would backpedal too far sometimes. He wouldn't really plant himself in the way that he needed to, to to make plays. He wouldn't be reading. He'd just be kind of giving himself more and more and more space, and suddenly a 30-yard catch gets in, caught in front of him. And the corners had the same issue. Uh, a lot of those corners have been replaced as well with guys that we have separate questions about. It's difficult world at that cornerback position. Um, but I think what Flores brings is this, this sort of idea of aggression. We were doing zone match. That means I've got an area. And as soon as a guy comes into my area, I'm going to be tight to him. Right. And that means a lot of reading. That means I'm, you know, if you're Eric Kendricks last year, you look at the quarterback, you watch his feet, see if he's doing quick game. If he's doing quick game. You got to react to that. If he's not doing quick game, go look at the route concept. And then you got to react to that. But when you react to the route concept, you got to get your eyes back on the quarterback to make sure you're you're actually re reacting and flowing with the quarterback's eyes, which can mislead you. So you got to go back to the route concept to see. By the time he's done reading all that crap, the 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 ball's been thrown. <laughs> that was the the mistake I think Ed Donatel had was just having too many things you had to, too many questions you had to answer before you could react. And guys weren't playing; they were thinking. With Flores, this is your gap. Go. You're just launching guys. You just tie tie dudes to a rocket and point them in a direction. Um, and guys are playing man coverage rather than the super reedy cerebral zone coverage. No, you have number 10, cover him. And that's it. I, I think that simplicity might be good for some of the younger players. Um, but the problem is you got to be able to cover number 10. So if you can't, you're going to get beat that way. So I think what they're going to be now is a blitz team. They're going to be like the Giants were last year defensively, like the Ravens were with when Wink Martindale was there. Um, and not as safe of blitzes, you know, with Fangio when he was with the Bears, the blitzes were a little safe. They were better protected, and that's part of what got him success. With Flores, it's protected with off-man coverage. So guys have to cover. If your blitz doesn't get home, you now could have like a superstar receiver on a Caleb Evans, and that's not going to go well for the Vikings. So there are going to be games where they just figure out the blitzes and the Vikings get dusted. There are going to also be games where the quarterback cannot figure out these gosh darn blitzes and takes 10 sacks, and the Vikings do the dusting. I think it's going to be a very volatile season defensively with uh, Brian Flores, and then if you do have one of these defensive catastrophe games, the question becomes, can the Vikings offense keep up? And, you know, that's going to be something we handle week by week. Yeah, I will say, I mean, in this Fangio-style defense, what tends to make all the difference in the world is just having two guys up there, which is usually your nose, your zero tech, and then obviously having your five mm -hmm. technique as well because that just sure. allows your linebackers your, your to Akeem go Hicks and Khalil Mack. <laughs> yeah. I was going to more so be like Akeem Hicks and Eddie Goldman, who was the Bears' nose for the longest time because that just makes oh. all the difference in the world. And I think, you know, looking at the way that, like, this defense was implemented by Brandon Staley when he was in Los Angeles, it was kind of the same thing too, you know, where you had – pretty good linebackers who fed off a really solid front seven as well as a defensive line. But then again, when you have a guy like Aaron Donald, I mean, your players should be able to do anything. All right. Got one more Vikings related question for you here, but Aaron Rodgers no longer in the NFC North. I am <laughs> sure we're all happy about that. Talk to me about what that means for you guys from a Vikings perspective. 
I mean, it's it's different, right? Uh, time is un- an undefeated opponent. It was always going to end someday. And now we're just on to whatever the next thing is. I, we don't really know what to expect from Jordan Love at all. The Packers don't seem to have the highest expectations from him. I, I have not followed every single quote. You'd have to talk to like Peter Bukowski, who does Locked On Packers. Um, but it sounds like they're sort of expecting him to struggle a little bit. That's that's what I get. So maybe this is now time for the division to open up a little bit as the Packers have won it, you know, two out of every three years since Brett Favre was here. Um, maybe now it's time for the thing to open up and maybe it's it's time for the Lions, who are the division favorites, to go take over. Maybe the Vikings get to take over. Maybe the Bears can, once they're done with their rebuild, they can become the power of the North. I think the world is a little bit more open. Um if I'm going to be honest, though, Rodgers has been out of the division for a year and a half, functionally. Uh, the end of 2021, he started to struggle. You saw that kind of happen in that playoff game against the Niners. 2022, he struggled more. I, I don't think the Jets made a wise decision. I think the, the the Packers actually got away with better compensation than... Like, I think they made a profit here, which, as a Vikings fan, I hate that, but... Uh, that's nickels and dimes. What really defines what's going to happen in the NFC North is how these young quarterbacks turn out. These Justin Fields and these Jordan loves who we still, for one reason or another, get to call them unknowns, even though they've been in the league for a couple of years now. And the Vikings are probably going to have a young quarterback soon too. However, that guy turns out, that's going to be what define. I mean, it's always quarterback, right? It's what's going to be. It, it, it is what will define this. Not did you get a second or a third in return? And was that profitable? You know? All right. So, because you bought this up, I have to ask. I mean, are Vikings fans genuinely looking at quarterbacks for next year already, knowing that, you know, you have guys like Caleb Williams and Drake Mighty coming out? Well, the Vikings U- are. <laughs> so fans okay. should be. <laughs> yeah. Um, the Vikings are. Here's here's the thing. The, the You might remember some rumors that came out on draft day this last year about the Vikings possibly trading up. Um that was a bigger trade up than you may have realized. They were trying to get up to three. They were trying to get Anthony Richardson. Uh, that's insane. Um, that, I mean, that would have been a crazy trade, right? They would have moved up 20 spots. It would have been three first round picks. Trey Lance, probably bigger than the Trey Lance trade. It would have been like really fun to cover, but crazy, right? Um, so they're into quarterbacks and they have not extended Kirk Cousins. Their Kirk Cousins has come onto the podium and said, we're not really going to talk again till March. Uh, so unless he takes him to the Super Bowl or something and makes it, you know, so that the Vikings can literally cannot justify getting rid of him, they're probably going to let him walk and he's going to be a free agent next year. That's going to put the Vikings in the quarterback market. And then uh, when they, excuse me, when they get to the draft, Depends on where they pick and how easy it is to trade up and stuff. If they make the playoffs again, this might be a different conversation. But if they end up, you know, winning five games and they're in the top 10 and maybe they can move up three spots and go get their Drake May or their Caleb Williams or whoever it is, it's, it's kind of tough to determine who it's going to be because all these guys have a whole nother year of college to play. Um, take a lesson from Spencer Rattler, you know, <laughs> Uh but whoever that guy is, then they can go target that guy. Whoever it is that they 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 fall in love with, they can go target that guy, uh, and then maybe sign some random bridge quarterback. Do kind of the thing like the Bears did when Andy Dalton was here. But really, it's Justin Fields, and we just kind of need Andy Dalton until Fields is ready. Do the bridge thing, um, and, and that is what I anticipate to be the move. But Quasey said it on the eve of training camp today. He did a press con- conference. He said, "You know, I never leave a door closed. Uh, never close a door." So Kirk could return next year. 
if things happen to line up to make that make sense. Uh, but I do think that that scenario is an unlikely one. I think there's a young quarterback in Minnesota sooner than later. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Let's switch gears to the Bears offseason. Tell us what you love, what did you absolutely hate when kind of looking at a team that finished in the basement of the division. I don't want to do this to you, man. <laughs> I, don't want, I don't want to come on your bear show and be a downer about the bears, but I feel like they're going too slow. I, I here's my, I, I have a philosophy about, about like rebuilding and stuff. That's pretty extreme. Uh, and uh, most of this was discoursing about like the Browns a few years ago when they were doing the Sashi tank, trust the process thing. Well, if you look at where that got them, that took them five years of rebuilding slowly, but surely they won one playoff game with Baker Mayfield. And now they're in an albatross, just like the Vikings have been in some albatross, you know, and, but they didn't go through any of that. Right. They managed to compete in the meantime. So I think it getting better is getting better, whether you suck first or whether you're just okay first. Um, so I kind of disagree with the way the bears have, have approached this entirely for the last couple of years, the Ryan polls, let's just get rid of everybody and unabashedly suck. And, you know, now you have a roster that takes so much more to build up to, um, look, Tremaine Edmonds. I think that's great for you guys. Like, I, I think that's a, a, a player that if you play your cards, right, can be a mainstay for the bears for a long time. And, and you can be happy with that. Um, or somebody like DJ Moore, right? Like you got good players, but you were, you're, you're, roster was so barren uh and, and so devoid of anything because of all of the teardown moves that Ryan Poles made I mean you still got guys that I don't think make half the teams in the league on your defensive line slated to start like I I genuinely think those guys are closer to the XFL than they are to any other starting roster uh slated to start that's a problem and that's going to make it so that the Bears, I, and I, listening to the way the Bears have sort of sold this season, they're not really telling you we're a championship team now. Hey, we want to be competitive, but I think they're gearing up to say, if we win seven games, we're happy with where we're at and we're slowly ascending. But by the time you're done ascending, you're going to have to pay Justin Fields or make a decision on him. So you better hope that the uh, this iteration of the offense is good enough supporting cast so that you can at least tell if Fields is broken forever. But I also, I don't know, I, I have my reservations about Fields and his processing speed uh, that makes me a little bit nervous on, is he actually the guy? Or are you going to build this whole roster and then realize, oh, crap, we broke our quarterback because we surrounded him with a whole bunch of crap for his first two years and he didn't develop at all. I, I, I don't like the way the Bears, if were I a Bears fan, I would be pretty mad. As a Vikings fan, great. Yeah, let him toil in nowhere forever. Uh, but were I a Bears fan, I, I don't think I would be very satisfied and I also, I'm impatient. I, I'm sick of going into seasons and not expecting to compete. I want my team, I want to be able to go into every season thinking, hey, if things break right, my team can be a contender. And I don't think you can say that. I don't think the Bears have enough talent. They got more. It helped. The offseason, they, they had a lot of resources and they spent them. But 
I, if I'm a Bears fan, I'm going, all right, when do I actually get to care about this team? Because right now I, you could skip 2023 and probably not miss much. I don't think that that's the team doing its fans much service. Yeah, it like you mentioned, so the Bears did get much better at a lot of positions this offseason. Mainly you look at the offensive line, the wide receiver group, um, kind of retooling the running back room as well. But that D-line is such a concern. We heard Ryan Paul say today, like, hey, listen, I'm not – he pretty much dodged the question because that's what just kind of what happens here in Chicago. But he was like, yeah, you know, I'd be foolish to not go ahead and explore every opportunity to improve our team. And at this point, it's like, who's out there on the open market that you can bring in that is going to have a significant impact unless you're banking on a guy like a Justin Houston in his mid thirties coming in and significantly right. changing everything. Or, you know, there's no, like Nick Bosa or Khalil Mack, that's magically going to become available, who you are generally going to push all your chips on the trade for. And that's simply because this is a regime that's kind of shown, yeah, look, you know, we are not, we swung big on a trade for DJ Moore. We are not going to go ahead, even though we have the financial flexibility as well as the draft capital over the next few years to make a second big move in this offseason. But how about, Thoughts on Justin Fields outside of that slow processing ability? Because when he played against the Vikings in week five last year, like he was 12 for 13 and was really, you could argue in the second half, the best player on the field. Yeah, there, there was that, there was that one really long touchdown that got called back. Um, If I remember there was like a, uh, an illegal block or something, but yeah, I, look for me, and I, I've been on a bunch of you, Bears fans. You guys love having other people, people from the elsewhere on the NFC North, which I I love that about you guys. <laughs> um, so I've, I've done this spiel on a couple of Bears shows already, but here's the deal: a highlight reel does not a career make. Um, Justin Fields has an electrifying highlight reel. If you go look up his just bombs and all the times when he runs around and he makes all these plays that look like they're straight out of the SEC, that rocks. Uh, and that's really fun, and it's easy to get excited about. But I, I look at like. Look at Tom Brady, right? He didn't have any of that. He was great. What made him great was that every single play, he was efficient, he was on target, he was on time. It was, and, and there was a consistency to that that was masterful, where you wouldn't see him screw up once every, I don't know, presidential term. Like, he would never screw it up. He would never be late. He would never be inaccurate. And so with Fields... And, and for me, a lot of draft stuff is I learn more from your lowlights than your highlights. And that's not me being negative. That's just me saying, like, I want to see what it what you do when you make a mistake and how you recover and all that stuff. And so with Fields, what I have seen of watching Vikings games, and I've watched plenty of Bears just out of curiosity, too, because I, I liked him a lot coming out of the draft. I want to see how he's coming along. Um, is somebody that has not shaken the that sort of innate want to break the pocket and start making something happen. And I think if fields can work to preserve pockets versus break them and turn them all into scramble drills, I think that is a, would be a really big step forward for him, but also some of the basics. Um, this is, was far more common in his rookie year. So hopefully he's coming along a little bit more here, but I still see stuff where he's just like missetting protections. And, you know, you've got a, a front that's that's showing a certain amount of people and you slide the protection away from where the front is. You can't be doing that at the pro level. And that's something where you go, wow, there was instant pressure on Justin Fields. What was he supposed to do? Well, he was supposed to adjust for that before he snapped the ball. Um, 
And I think, you know, understanding your blocking angles a little bit when you have an offensive lineman on a defensive lineman and you've got that angle where he's covering his guy up and then you move to the side where suddenly he's not covering his guy up and then that guy can break off and make the tackle on you. Well, you did that. That's your fault. And so I I had somebody ask on my show, uh, it was about Kirk Cousins, but the question is the same. Well, who do we blame for pressure? Is it really a quarterback thing? Is it really an offensive line thing? And the answer will always be both. So the amount of hits and pressure and stuff that Fields takes, some of that's on him. And if he can improve, you don't have to do anything on the offensive line. The pressure will go down. That's the optimistic way to frame it. And and I think that that's also a reasonable way to frame it. Um, But also, when you are slow at processing, and, and I don't think it's like slow at thinking. Like, I don't think he's dumb. But I think he doesn't trust it. And who's to, you know, how can you blame him after the guys that Chicago has made him throw to? But that's kind of the Bears' mistake here is that they made him throw to total dregs. Um, and now he doesn't trust it. You see a, a dig route coming across the middle with enough separation, NFL separation, maybe not college separation, but NFL separation. And in the NFL, those windows are tighter. And when guys don't make it from college to the NFL, You've got the greatest, like, I'm not making this comparison, but bear with me, but Tim Tebow, greatest college player in the, in the history of, of college football doesn't make it in the NFL. Sometimes that can happen. And part of the reason is the windows get tighter and you're great when there are bigger windows, but maybe you're not as good when the windows are tighter because you don't trust that that's open and it hasn't been open for him. Maybe he shouldn't trust it, but he has to learn to, there's a lot of development that needs to happen left with fields yet. And I look at the timeline as well. This team basically spent his entire rookie contract, QB on a rookie contract. One of the most important things that, uh, important advantages that a team can have. Jalen Hurts on the Eagles, or wouldn't they had Carson Wentz and they won the Super Bowl that year. Jared Goff on the Rams in 2018. You know, that, that the, the Patrick Mahomes 2019. I mean, great QB on a rookie contract and you spent yours tanking. That feels to me like a big miss. And I, I'm going to be honest, if I'm a Bears fan, I'm going, are we 100% sure this guy's our guy for 10 years? Or should I be going looking up who's coming out in 2025? All right, I got two more for you here. And that was awesome, by the way. But who outside of fields on this roster is a player that you think is facing a boomer bus season going into 2023? Like a, like a make or break thing? Claypool, right? Yeah. I mean, when you get traded mm-hmm. from the team that drafted you, um, and you have to kind of get to know a new, a new place and a new group of teammates, a new scheme, a new staff, um, new mentors, new city. That's a difficult thing to adjust to. Um, and especially for somebody like Claypool who has all these famous bozo moments. Like I remember a Thursday night game a couple years ago when he was with the Steelers where he was like celebrating too, too long. And he ended up, uh, chewing up so much clock that he, caused the Steelers not to be able to win that game. Steelers fans hate him over this. So you've got some of that stuff that I, if if I'm the Bears, I want to see nothing from that. But also, he ain't getting an extension, is he? Or or is, are there talks on that? Do you know? I mean, there's no talks of an extension yet. It's, it's one of those situations where, you know, you look at... So Claypool, to me, is incredibly polarizing because he's a guy who, again, had a really solid rookie year when there was good quarterback play. But since right. you look at the last two seasons, and again, 2021 was pretty much a broken down Big Ben Roethlisberger. And then last season was, first half was Kenny Pickett slash Mr. Biskey, which, again, jury's still out on Kenny Pickett, but... Not exactly the most confident thing when Mitch Trubisky's throwing you the ball. And then halfway through the season, it was 
another basically young quarterback, Justin Fields, throwing him the ball. So right. it's a situation where, you know, if I was a GM of any of the 32 teams and I was faced with what to do with Chase Claypool, I would pretty much go ahead and say, even though I traded a second round pick for you, because at the time, there's no guarantee that I would be getting the number one overall pick or a guy like DJ Moore. I would go ahead and say, like, you got to go out there and you got to prove it, basically. I, I think that's where he's at. And hey, look, if he shows up and he gets 800 yards in the first, you know, 10 weeks, maybe we're talking about an extension. Maybe, maybe we just do it in the middle of the season, right? If he's just like totally explodes, but that doesn't feel like the guy who he is. And, and I think with the Bears, if you're Ryan Poles, you have to look at it and say, okay, Chase Claypool cannot be the excuse for Justin Fields while Justin Fields is simultaneously the excuse for Ch- Chase Claypool. Either one of these guys is the problem and I buy into the other guy or they're both the problem and I just have to go try this. I just have to go break it all down and try this again. Or if I'm the Bears, just think about what a succession plan for both of these guys can be. DJ Moore is your wide receiver one. Claypool, Mooney, these are filler pieces, I think. Uh, These are role players, and you need to kind of ask DJ Moore to be the the king of kings. Um, So I, I think that's... Yeah, Claypool's the guy that I would go to. I think Tevin Jenkins is another interesting name, too. Um, He's had such an interesting career. If he's found his home at guard, then he can have a really good season and really sort of solidify himself there, be a stalwart forever. But if it turned out it was a flash in the pan, he might start to kind of fall down into the, are we trading this guy for picks now, you know? Yeah, I mean, Tevin's a huge risk because it's like he played left tackle, had back and neck injuries, Right. As a rookie last off season, I mean, he was a subject of trade rumors, plus more injuries moves to right guard. Now it's like three positions in three years with Tevin moving over to left guard. But last one for you here. I mean, everyone's probably asked this question on every single show on the history of the earth, but sure. give me record predictions for 2023. Where do you have the Vikings finishing? Where do you have the bears finishing? Um, I, I kind of want to defer to Vegas on this stuff. I find record predictions to be just so played out and I never learn anything when I hear someone else's. So I, I don't expect anyone to learn anything by hearing mine. So here's the deal. Vikings over under eight and a half right now at all the sports books. Um, that feels fair. Eight or nine wins. I don't know if eight or nine wins doesn't win the division though. <laughs> it's a, it's a rough world in the NFC North right now. And I think other than beating up on each other, I think there's a lot of, I mean, you look at like the NFC West, I feel like any one of those teams or the, uh, the NFC East, I feel like you, you could make an argument for any one of those teams to come in and, and sweep a lot. Right. And, and beat out these, these NFC North teams. I, I see eight or nine wins being fair for the Vikings for the bears. They're just not there yet. They, they're taking a slow plotting approach. I disagree with it, but I understand why they're doing it. Um, I think if the bears get seven wins, they're happy. I think that would be a positive outcome, but I, I would say six is probably uh, five or six is a, is a more likely outcome. They just are not a complete thought yet. And once they're a complete thought, then we get to see what Ryan Poles has truly been cooking, but it's a work in progress. And I, I, as much as I would hate it, Bears fans have kind of no choice but to be patient through what could be another pretty difficult year. Yeah, the Bears over under, I think, is listed at like seven and a half wins, according to what the sports sure. books have put out there. So kind of ballpark as well. Yeah, and, and sports books won't ever go below five and a half and they won't ever go above like eleven and a half. So it, it's seven and a half doesn't feel like, oh, they'll be an eight and nine team. It's kind of they'll be a below average team. 
Yeah, it's one of those where it's just like, hey, let's just put six to seven and a half to kind of feel good and say, oh, we made a prediction. But where can people follow you on Twitter and keep up with your work? Sure. You can find me on Twitter at Luke Braun NFL. You can find Locked On Vikings uh, wherever you find your favorite shows. If you want to listen to a Vikings podcast, uh, you can also find my Patreon, patreon.com slash Luke Braun NFL. A little bit less Vikings oriented. That's a lot more about learning I mean, it's usually breaking down Vikings tape, but it's more about learning the intricacies of position or learning about a certain play or something like that, uh, as well as a history documentary, which I think Bears fans will enjoy some parts of it for sure. Uh, seven part full series, seven hours total, like a like a season of TV um, on the history of the Vikings going all the way. The first episode, especially a lot of interesting little nuggets about George Hallis. You guys might like. That's awesome. We will definitely be sure to check that out as well. Thanks for hopping on the show. You are welcome on here anytime. And hopefully we talk at some point during the season too, Luke. But thanks again. Sure thing. My pleasure. All right. And we're back here at the Picks for Polls podcast. And uh, we're going to close out this episode now by going over a couple of things that we want to do for training camp here as we uh, – as, as practices start here, it's time to start talking about the actual on-field product of this Bears team and start getting into some of the stuff that we're looking forward to seeing from this. I wouldn't say a new-look Bears team, but certainly a Bears team that um, has gone through the, the, the rigors of the rebuild and has a lot of new faces this offseason. So you say it for you when we talk about these training camp practices, what are some of the storylines or not storylines, but what are some of the things that you're looking forward to seeing here from this bears team over the next few weeks? There is a lot. And you talk about a team that has gone from basically one of the worst rosters in the NFL to one of the youngest rosters in the NFL. For me, what this basically comes down to is this is we know who some of our key starters are on this team. You look at guys like Justin Fields, Cole Komet, Darnell Mooney, Eddie Jackson, Jaquan Brisker, Jalen Johnson. The list kind of goes on. But there's so many key positions that at this point either have question marks or are up for grabs. I mean, the first question I have is Tevin Jenkins has played three positions in three seasons at this point. Going from left tackle as a rookie to right guard as a sophomore all the way back to left guard. How is he going to handle that transition? And the big thing is this, can Tevin finally play a full 17 game season rather than having the back and neck issues flare up on him again? The second big question is this. I mean, what's going on with the bottom of the wide receiver depth chart here? Everybody's in love with DJ Moore, Darnell Mooney, and Chase Claypool. But at the end of the day, guess what? Tyler Scott and Valus Jones have a prime opportunity to be wide receiver for. The Bears have a handful of veterans like an Equinamius St. Brown, Isaiah Ford, a Dante Pettis. But if we're going to be honest, it's better that you ride the younger guys and ride with them rather than going ahead and even play any of the older veterans. And then you look at the defensive side of the football. Justin Jones is probably at this point your best defensive lineman. Big expectations for a guy like Demarcus Walker, who very quickly has become very well liked in the locker room. But the question is, on the defensive side of the football, can Jack Sanborn outlast Noah Sewell at that Sam linebacker spot? Can 
the defensive line, guys like Dominique Robinson, players that the Bears, quite frankly, consider to be one-year projects as rookies. Can a guy like Dominique Robinson step up? Can Kyler Gordon and Jaquan Brisker take their game a step forward? So for this team, as much as we love the young talent that's on the roster, they also need to realize and understand that there's going to be growing pains that this team has to go through. And the fact being is that there's going to be instances where it's not going to be pretty in camp or the upcoming season, but this is a roster that overall they need to learn how to play football games from start to finish, and they have to learn how to win and lose football games. Yeah, and kind of continue the discussion of the defensive line. I think that kind of brings up something that I'm really interested in seeing is, you know, how does Eberflus, this coaching staff, how, how do they juggle all the pieces on the defensive line and, and what type of looks and what type of rotations are, you know, are they going to put together? Cause last year, you know, with the lack of talent, I felt like they had a very bland rotation on the defensive line in terms of is very predictable. The personnel groupings that they were going with, it didn't seem like there's a lot of versatility uh, with that group. And, um, you know, occasionally they would, you know, kick guys like Travis Gibson and Dominique Robinson inside to try and see what they could do. They experimented a little bit with Justin Jones um, on the edge last year at the end of the year. Um, that didn't really work out too well. So I, I feel like, you know, Eberflus with some of the guys that they brought in, you look at Demarcus Walker or Sheen Green uh, drafting Dexter and Pickens in the draft, obviously. Uh, it, it feels like they want to be a little bit more versatile up front and have guys that can kind of play all over the defensive line. So I'm really curious to see like what type of personnel groupings they're going to utilize. So for instance, like are they going to have lineups out there where they have Demarcus Walker and Rasheem green on the inside rushing the passer um, is Justin Jones going to be playing the edge a little bit more this year in pass rushing situations or on, on early down situations. Um, is Dexter going to be playing three tech a lot, or is he going to be a one tech? Right. Um, so a lot of those different things that they can do is Pickens going to be a guy that plays in the edge a little bit, or is he just, you know, a three tech through and through um, on this group. So I, I think that'll be really interesting to see. And also like how many snaps these guys are getting too, right? Because it, it's on offense. It's kind of easy to see who's getting the first team snaps and who isn't defense. It can be a little bit tougher on the defensive line because they rotate these guys in and out so much anyway. But, you know, you can definitely tell like if one guy or a couple of guys are out there more than the others, like you can tell who's getting the first team reps and who's not. Right. Um, so that'll be kind of interesting to see what kind of happens there. And then the secondary, I, I want to see, you know, one, it's a very young secondary. And I feel like it has a lot of guys that are settling into their roles, you know, specifically uh, Eddie Jackson and Jaquan Brisker, you know what you're getting out of your safety duo there. Um, Kyler Gordon, it looks like he's going to be the slot full-time now, which I think is really good for his development. I think he's a better fit there than on the outside. And with Tyreek Stevenson and Jalen Johnson on the outside, now you got two big corners that kind of fit that role as outside guys in this game. Um, but I'm also curious to see, like, how does the depth look behind those guys? Because that's probably my biggest question mark for the secondary is that I don't think the depth is very great. Like they, they have a couple draft picks and at cornerback and some young guys there that could develop like Kendall Vildor is going to the final year of his contract. And I think he was fine for the most part last year. Um, you know, they have Terrell Smith, who's a fifth round pick, um, a guy who a lot of people liked and thought he was a nice value for the bears in the draft, but safety depth. We talked about before. It, it really concerns me. There's not really that one guy after Jackson or Brisker that, 
I feel very confident in being able to step in and play significant snaps if you know one of those guys goes down. And we saw that be a bit of an issue last year when uh, Jackson went down for the late in the season. Um, they really didn't have anybody, you know, besides DeAndre Houston Carson that could really step in. And De- for, for honestly, like DeAndre Houston Carson uh, was really a saving grace for the secondary over the past couple of seasons because he had to go in uh, a couple of times for injured players and he stepped up and played very well for this team. And I'm just not sure if they have somebody like that on this roster right now. So I'm curious to see how that works out. And I'm also, I, I'm also interested in seeing like, the battle between the wide receivers and secondary this year, right? Because theoretically both units are dramatically improved compared to where they were at last year. And with, you know, know, my understanding is that the bears can be focusing much more on the passing game and practices this year, which is a lot more exciting for us as, you know, viewers of practice. Um, You get a lot more highlights that way. So, um, I, I'm really, it, it's going to be a lot of fun to kind of see these wide receivers and defensive backs and even the tight ends as well. Um, see them get after it in practice a little bit more because last year they were so focused on getting the run game established and they knew that they knew they didn't really have a great passing attack, but I honestly felt like that kind of hurt the team in the long run because their passing game just was not, not where it needed to be throughout the year. So I'm glad that they're kind of going with an approach of, you know, uh, working on the passing game first and, you know, with this improved roster, you know, you can get some really nice battles there at training camp. So that's going to be, I think, probably the main thing. And then the last thing, obviously, is Justin Fields. Where is he at in his development, right? Because we've talked about it before, but DJ Moore coming in as that number one option, I mean, that correlates very well with Justin Fields taking that next step as um, a franchise quarterback. And, you know, Again, for exciting as he was last year, and I, I get it. He made the t- it came out earlier today that he made the top 100 for the NFL's uh, player top 100 list or whatever. Which I think it's kind of a joke of a list if you're being <laughs> if we're being honest here. But you know, it's cool that the players, you know, they obviously have a lot of respect for him as a player, and that was cool to see. But if we're being real, like you know, you know, Justin Fields for exciting as he was last year, he, you know, he's still got a ways to go in his development, right? So. He's not quite there yet. He's not, I don't think, established as the guy going forward that if you're asking me today, would I be comfortable giving him, you know, the contract that Justin Herbert just got as a long as a long-term contract as franchise quarterback? I'd be telling you, no, you know, this year's gonna be a big year for that. So, you know, where is he at in that development? Um, does DJ Moore really help him that much? How much does that elevate the rest of the offense? So that's going to be a ton of fun to watch, I think, and really interesting to watch. Um, so unless we got anything else to cover, you said, I think that's going to be it for us in this podcast today. Um, so without further ado, let's, I think that's a good time to wrap it up here. So for all of our uh, listeners out there, make sure to rate our podcast on Spotify and other podcasting platforms, wherever you get your podcasts uh, for Blue Wire Pods and the Bear Report. Uh, make sure to give us a follow on social media on Twitter or is it X now? Like what is it Twitter or X now? I can't tell. I really don't know. I, you know, we're not going to get into that, um, but make sure to follow us on, I guess, Twitter at picks for polls. And um, you say, where can our followers, our listeners find you on social media and uh, find your work? Yeah. You guys can find me on social media at Usaid Colchel. Check out my work on the bear report website. I'll have articles coming out pretty regularly when it comes to training camp. Yeah, you can find me on uh, social media as well, at AJ Freeman 25 on Twitter. 
or, or X, whatever. Um, and then you can find my work on the bear report as well. I'll be doing um, a lot of recap articles for the upcoming training camp practices. Like I said before, planning on going on Thursday, really looking forward to it. It's going to be a lot of, a lot of fun, I think. And uh, looking forward to seeing uh, a lot of bears fans there as well. So it uh, should be, it's really exciting, really looking forward to it. And um you know, until next time, Bears fans, we'll have, you know, a lot of stuff, a lot more stuff to talk about when it comes to training camp and practices and actual on the field stuff that we can discuss, which I'm, I'm really looking forward to. But until next time, Bears fans, bear down and have yourself a good rest of your week.